This is the sound of regular water droplets. This is the sound of vitamin water droplets. Regular water, vitamin water. Regular water, vitamin water. Hey, come on now. Vitamin water. It has vitamins, but also parties. Copyright 2020, Glasso. Yo, it's Life's Dope Podcast. I'm your man, Graffiti. And I'm Davey. How you feeling today, bro? I'm feeling great. Yeah, yeah. Am I talking extra loud? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you got your headphones on, so you're, you're yelling at yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it didn't seem that loud. Yeah, man. It didn't seem that loud with the headphones on. <laughs> Come on, rookie. <laughs> <laughs> now we're back. Now how are you feeling? I feel even better. All right, man. All right. Now that I'm not screaming at everybody. Okay, All right, that man. was good. So was check good. it out. We got a special guest in the building. Let's today. go ahead and get into it. This guy right here, man. He's a man of many hats, so I don't even really know where to start, but I'll let him explain it. Let's make some noise for Greg Kimball. Hey! The homeless millionaire himself. Yeah, man. I, tr- I try to be. Well, are you still? Well, first, are you still homeless? No. <laughs> okay. No, I am. I am, in fact, not homeless. You should just okay. say, yeah, just to make the whole interview awkward. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you got a couch or something? Like, you, get you know, there we, go, bro. We, we do have now a couple couch. couches. So for the people who don't know, who are you and what do you do? Um... Well, I guess the easiest way to say is I own uh, I own KMG Life Inc., which is branched out into uh, a multitude of different things. Most recently, we're the, the we're the largest studio in Colorado at thirty six thousand feet now, um, but we have the largest independent recording school, and we are one of only sixteen certified Ableton training centers in the entire country. Yeah. So it's been uh, it's been taken off a lot. Um, with a lot of interesting work behind it and a lot of interesting things that we've had to do to get to where we are today. Recently, I, I came out with a book, The Homeless Millionaire. And it's it's funny, I've actually caught so much flack about the book because, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure just with you guys being running in a lot of the same circles I do, there's uh, there's all of the rumors that I've had. I've had Rumors where I'm secretly Walter White, which I, I think would be kind of <laughs> cool, but it's just not not me. Uh, there's also the one where I'm an undercover uh, FBI agent. Ooh, I heard that one. Who I was I was. I really hope that rumor's not true. It's it's definitely not true. I leave. like if if you ever saw me on a shooting range, you'd be like, yeah, he doesn't work for the FBI. So um, <laughs> if so, you're way too deep into the uh, into this uh, undercover agent role. Yeah, it's been eight years. I feel like now I would have done real. something. Yeah. So like, um, a, like Omar Epps, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, I just adopted the life. I was just like, yeah, I'm not coming back to the FBI. Like, you have a school now. You got married. Like, yeah, you're really committed to yeah, this I'm role. Yeah, I'm committed to this role. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's it's funny. So I, I decided to write the book. And obviously, it, it's funny. In the very first page of the book, it says it's not a rag t- rags to riches story. It is not a uh, uh, a guru book. It's not an I figured it out book. It has everything to do when... When I was young, I think the only thing because I made a lot of mistakes. That's I think the the only reason that you kind of end up homeless. Mm-hmm. And I uh, I was kind of a professional mistake maker, mm. and uh, and so I just I realized that the only way to get yourself out of that situation is to have a million dollar dream. 
Um, and at that time, I decided to like little things. I was like, well, I'm just going to start liking scotch because I see rich people like scotch. Mm. Oh. And so that's the whole reason why I started liking scotch because truth be told, the first, like, I don't know, 100 times I drank scotch, I was like, this is awful. It's awful. It's, <laughs> I was not a fan. It's not too bad. And then, and then all of a sudden after I had been kind of running in those circles and then I was this young 25-year-old kid and I'm hanging out at the bar and I'd order a scotch. Now, immediately – I would be able to talk because there's a social aspect that comes with with scotch. Mm. There's a social aspect that comes with golf. And there's a social aspect that comes with these things. And I, I was fortunate enough to learn early on that I needed to – I needed to have some sort of million dollar dream to stretch myself to get myself out of the the circumstance. Right. And when you're a millionaire, when you when you read the book, you'll understand when it says, "Hey, if you can generate over a million dollars, when you have the million dollar business, when you have the million dollar house and you're doing that, then you need to go back to thinking about being homeless. You got to stay hungry, you've got to stay frugal because if you've been homeless and and that's why there's the success rate of like uh, is like 80% of all lottery winners just losing all of their money. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because they don't know how to work for money. They don't know how to save money. They don't know how to use money to work for them. Right. And so in the book, half of it is my life and how I got to this point. And then the other half is all of the lessons I learned along the way, like good and bad. And one of the biggest lessons that I learned, because I was like captain perception. So like everything was just always good and like, mm. I always had money. I always had this. Like, uh, in the book, I, I let it out. I don't know if you guys remember when I had that Aston Martin there mm-hmm. for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I didn't buy that car. One of my friends gave it to me. Oh, wow. But I was too prideful to, like... I need friends like that. Yeah, yeah I know, right? So, hey, but, yeah. hey, what's up, buddy? That's, that's, <laughs> what's, what's, that's, what's going on? But that's what I was saying. Like, I, I, I was running in the right circles, obviously. Right. But I was too prideful. So you can imagine why my employees would be pissed off if I'm like, hey, you guys, you know, uh, payroll is going to be a little late this this month they're like you have a hundred thousand dollar car you're a dickhead you know what i mean <laughs> right and and i tried to keep up those appearances for a long time but i mean as you guys know i mean starting a business is one of the hardest things that you can do yeah and um it wasn't until i finally just kind of my armor cracked if you will and i was able to just tell my employees like hey like if you guys just start adding up the amount of hours that we're, we're selling and you add this and you add this, like two plus two does not equal $9,000. You right. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we were just in a position to where right when I came clean and I had my, my, my team go, oh, wow, he's like bankrolling this off of like personal guaranteed loans and he isn't keeping money and he isn't doing this. And I just like basically was like – Here's exactly what's in our bank account, and I need help. Let's build this shit together. And right. that's when KMG started becoming something real. Mm. And uh, it was it was a, a really kind of transcending experience for me just because, uh, I mean, like anybody who's going to have the audacity to be an entrepreneur, um, they're, they're going to be prideful, and they're going right. to be alpha, and they're going to be this. And, I mean, you guys remember how, like, controlling i try to be like man if you didn't put kmg in there man i was coming after you right <laughs> so uh right but i mean at the at the same time like we were building a brand and and it's like i've told a lot of people many times it's like i don't care who you who you are and what you've done like i think the thing that i've learned in entrepreneurship that really hit me hard and helped me the most is that nobody has it figured out 
And if you have anybody tell you, hey, this shit's going to be easy, they are 1 million percent lying to you. That's and, true. And when I, when I started just figuring out, like, hey, man, everyone's just trying to get ahead just like me. Right. So, like, there's been a lot of, like, uh, fights. I don't know if I want to go fights, but a lot of interesting conversations that's been had with different people in, uh, along my journey. And what I was able to realize is just it, it's really nothing that anyone's doing to the other one. It's just everyone's just trying to get ahead. They're just trying to be better than they were yesterday. Right. And I think that one of the things that happened with me is – and it came when I was getting just blown up on social media just because that's like anytime anyone's kind of unhappy with someone, it's just let's hold them hostage with the social media gun. And when I just started not caring – when I started not giving a shit about what people were going to say and I was just going to keep making moves, right. that's when I was able to to start progressing and I was able to kind of take control because I was always trying to do damage mitigation and sometimes I was 100% in the wrong, but I was never communicating and talking on a level that could could you know put out a fire. But at the end of the day, I'm running scared. They're mm. running scared. We're both just trying to build – brands everyone's trying to get ahead and they're trying to get better and i think that when you start hanging out with a certain circle there's this unfortunate thing that happens is everybody has like that team mentality when you start out Mm -hmm. and then if you watch one person start leaving the pack people get mad because they're they're, they everyone gets fomo and they're like oh well they're doing that they must have done this they're doing this they're doing that and they keep going and keep going and people try to drag you back. And it's the, the only thing that I've been able to understand is it's probably because they know at one point in their life they were at the same point that you were at. Mm. And if hard work was the only differentiating factor, of course, I have to be an FBI agent. That's easier for people to believe than the fact that I just work my ass off. Right. And that's the thing that I think is, is happening. And one of the things that I've always kind of held true to is just – like I was talking to Fabre, who's one of the per- people I've mentored for a really long time. Yeah, shout out to Andre. I, I love that guy. I like legitimately love that guy. And he came to me one day and he said, dude, like you've got a 10,000 square foot house now and you've got this crazy school. And I, I've just, how did you do it? And I said, well, it's, it's honestly really simple. When I met you, what were you doing? He said, oh, well, I was trying to do my, I was trying to do my, uh, uh, artist thing right and then a year after that he was managing a call center and then a year after that he was um i think at a different call center and a year after that he was managing these like vending machine type things and a year after that he was doing all of this stuff and this was kind of the big thing when we were having this conversation that had him just go quit his job and go full tilt into the late night crew mm-hmm. um because he goes how did you do it i said okay well year one what was i doing and he said well you were doing kmg i said okay a year after that when you met me what was i doing kmg 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 it's like that scene from uh remember the titans when he says i'm like novocaine i'm just going to keep doing it until it works right Mm. and that's that's what i've done is is my only difference is i didn't quit and i i persevered and like i was telling andre i said look man have you ever met me to where a year passed between us and I was in the exact same place I was the, the year prior? And he said, no, you're always moving forward. 
And that's why I said I might walk slowly sometimes for people because maybe maybe I'm a little bit more optimistic than realistic. So I think that a huge payday or we're going to get a something or we're going to get a this. And it doesn't come nearly as fast as I say. But I might walk slowly, but I don't walk backwards. I'm right. always growing. And and it was funny when I talked to Fabre about that is, is he goes – well, I'm going to take a chance on myself. I said, man, if anyone should do it, it's you. Like, right. like you've got that mind and you can do it. And I mean, he, I'm so damn proud of that kid. It's unbelievable. And, and it's just, I think now that I'm a little older, cause I mean, when I came here, I mean, I, I was homeless. Like Kayla's been homeless with me. Yeah. And when we went through all of those different things and we, we tried to, to find our way, half of it was me trying to talk in the mic. Half of it, sorry about that. Half of it was me trying to. Hello, is that better? <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> uh, ha- half of it was me kind of battling, like a, the same thing that a lot of people are battling is is the broken home, and um, I mean my parents were, my parents were, were uh, they split up when I was thirteen, and I immediately went to uh, live with my brother who was extremely abusive to me. And uh, then my dad had to come save me, and I was homeschooled for a while. And then he married this girl that I think was just the reincarnation of Satan. <laughs> and then, uh, so, yeah, you, yeah. And so, Dave said that. <laughs> and so then, uh, so then uh, my mom comes and saves me. But then we live in the back of a, a, a laundromat for a while. Then we live in a, a pop-up camper. And so me and my mom were homeless for a while. So it's this reoccurring theme. And my mom always told me two things. She said, look, man, I'm not going to let you ever go hungry. And uh, we, we got to just keep on rolling. So one of the things we're doing now is we're going to start a 5013C just because realizing that kind of the difference – the huge difference for me was when I found knowledge and I and I got uh, access to realistically audiobooks. Uh, in the last eight years, I've read over a thousand books, yeah. and it's the application of that knowledge is what's really changed my life. And so, with being the homeless millionaire, because everyone just kind of missed the point. Everyone was just like, "Oh, well, you hate homeless people, or you're trying to do a rags to riches, or it's a." get rich quick scheme i'm like man i'm only just trying to share my story right um but kind of our next phase that we've always had was we're going to start a nonprofit that is uh we're already working with a few publishers who are going to donate their uh publications to the center and we just we want to invite literally any homeless person who just wants knowledge and wants to get better and wants to be around other people who want to get better um because i think that instead of giving them something and and we want to work out something with maybe one of the local grocery stores um if they get through uh say five books a month or something and then they can just take a quick little uh survey so where we know that they actually read them then we give them like a hundred dollar king supers card so that they can eat off of getting knowledge right that's dope and and that's it's just i mean as humanity is progressing i think that we're becoming more and more Fishbold, and that's why in my advertising company, one of the biggest things that I say, I say in a world where everyone's con- connected, everyone's connected, mm-hmm. no one's actually connecting. Mm-hmm. And that's why in this day and age, especially when we're looking at all of these these younger kids who are at our school, I mean, human contact and making eye contact and, and looking at someone 
in the same room as they are is actually kind of strange for them. Yeah. They they don't know what that means. They're like, whoa. And, but the thing is, is right when you break through that barrier and you actually make a connection with someone, all of a sudden something opens up with them where you understand what it is because it's called making a friend, building a relationship. But they don't understand it yet. Right. So they latch on to you so much more than normal to the point where you're like, whoa, like all I did was say hi or how are you? Or, right. Is everything good? Or let me help you with a problem. Human interaction. Exactly. And yeah. so I think that now with where we're going as a society, if we go out of our way to oh, that was me. If we if we can <laughs> go out of our way to have better uh, human interaction to the point of helping someone, not enabling someone. Everyone just wants to shut up a problem instead of fix a problem. Mm -hmm. And shutting up a problem is like, like for instance, when I kept calling my dad for money and calling my dad for money, calling my dad for money, because I had messed up just on the, about the most grand scale that you can, you can imagine. And I called him and he said, Greg, uh, I love you and you will always be my son. But when it comes to money, we're not related. Mm -hmm. And that was the best thing he's ever done. Because <laughs> I, have, I have some relatives like that. You are not related to my wallet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to use that one. Yeah. And so that <laughs> when I realized that and he stopped enabling me and he started teaching me, it, it changed my life. And I think that if we can be a generation of – because, I mean, we have so much access to information right now. I mean, YouTube can teach you anything. Right. Mm -hmm. um, you can get audiobooks. Podcasts are just – absolutely incredible and you can you can interact and you can grow as a human being so much more now more than ever before in history but the problem is we have such an abundance of information there's no filter right. and we don't know how to get the right information we don't know who who is the authority we don't know everyone who can upload something to youtube is technically the authority oh well they've got a lot of subscribers they must know what they're talking about right well right. There's some merit to that. I, I mean, I'll give it that. But there's also maybe they're just so stupid that people who are actually in the industry show it to all their friends and say, dude, look at how dumb this guy is. Right. That like because of this guy, we're always going to be needed. You know what I mean? Because right. because no one knows how do you see a how do you see an expert anymore? And that's why I think it's it's really interesting, like just especially with what's going on with cryptocurrency and as it pertains to like the fiat currency. My friends and I were sitting around the, the table the other day and we were thinking about what if everything that you had to spend was your reputation? Everything that you did was reputation points. How you bought a car was how many old ladies that you helped across the street. I feel like that's coming. Mm. I hope it is. That's like some Black Mirror episode Clout type tokens, stuff. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's coming. Yeah. Well, y'all keep liking us then because you're <laughs> trying to be rich out here. You follow us. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. So that was deep. Let's rewind a little bit. Yeah, we we went into a lot of the uh, controversy, the rumors. Yeah, Just, yeah. Let's let's talk about KMG All in right. general. Um, there was a point in time, like KMG's a monster now, but in the specifically in like the hip hop mm -hmm. genre, locally, like if you weren't recording at KMG, it's like man, like you gotta record at KMG. Yeah, like, right. You know, like you weren't an artist if you weren't recording at KMG. What was for one the inspiration and motivation to even start KMG? And then kind of just the journey throughout that early process. The early process. I mean, honestly, I just music is in every fiber of my being. And I mean, I sing R&B music. So I've always had like I've always been a singer. I've always been someone who wants to help out just 
music be heard, specifically R and B, honestly, because we've got a lot of we've got a lot of people out here right now who like are calling R and B music. And I'm like, that is not R&B music. Maybe right. it's because I like actually like really like soul music. Mm. Like there's a, a big difference, but it's just yeah, when, the sounds change over the years. Well, yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's huge. And and it, I, I remember getting into an argument with someone. I can't remember who it was, but I got into an argument with them about the lead singer because the lead singer of Boys to Men is like my favorite singer on the planet, which is Wanye Morris. And someone was telling me that. Drake is a better singer than Wanye. Who said and that? I, I can't tell you. I, I do know who it is, but I cannot. <laughs> that's, not, <laughs> so, that's not an argument that I wouldn't even waste my time. No, you, you can't. And, and it, it's, it's, now, don't get me wrong. Drake has sold more albums than Boyz II Men is ever going to do. And he, right. he has changed the landscape, which I'm never going to take that away from him. But the fact is, is people can listen to Boys to Men and Drake and they think that there's the same level of vocal talent now and that is what really makes me sad. Yeah. And people people just don't know what it means to be a great vocalist anymore. Mm-hmm. And and it's and I mean it doesn't help that we're losing all of the great vocalists and not mm-hmm. giving a chance to a new generation because I mean we lost Whitney um, we lost Prince, which is probably the biggest thing that hit me. Cause I mean, that's like my number one since day one. Right. And, um, but anyway, back to your que- question, we'll just call that a tangent. Um, <laughs> I, I would go out and I would, cause I was, I had a choice to make when I was starting KMG and I said, I'm either going to finance what I call finance a bed. Uh, which means, okay, well, if I get an apartment, I got to pay for an apartment. Right. But if I just sleep in my car and I get a, and I mean, you guys remember that really tiny spot that I had. Yeah. I I was like, I'm either going to s- sleep there. At the time, I didn't know that literally right next door was my landlord's office. <laughs> so right when I moved in, I was like, shit, I can't do that. So I had to sleep in my car in the middle of winter in Denver, which wasn't the coolest thing I've ever done. But I knew that. If I went out and I got clients and um, how I started getting clients, I'd just go to a karaoke bar and I'd crush it and then everyone would come talk to me and I'd say, okay, well, I just moved in. I'd love to record you and I'll record for food. I'll record for scotch. I'll record right. for money if you have it. didn't really matter. I was down to record you for any anything that you were down to, to help me out with. It could be let's go to Guitar Center and put something on your credit card. didn't matter. I'm building my company. Right. And, and that's what I started out and it just started getting – uh, bigger and bigger and that's actually where i met ryan at a karaoke competition mm. and we were both like hey you sing like you like because i think he sang a it was a i think it was a marvin Gaye song um and so like we both had like we dude we both <laughs> had this love for r&b and so we started talking about it so we came back to the studio i think we killed like a whole bottle of scotch that night and we sang karaoke stevie wonder tunes all night in the studio because <laughs> um, at the time like i didn't i I didn't have like high notes in every song that I sang. And so uh, Ryan was just, he was like, he's like, well, I mean, I can sing, I could pr- probably sing higher than you just to let you know. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, well, what are you going to see about that? Uh-oh. Um, so we like do this like little friendly battle. And then like, honestly, the rest was history. He became one of my very best friends and uh, a hell of an engineer. And I mean, we went through the trenches together, mm. like a hundred percent. So um, finding him was definitely a blessing right after Ryan came into my life. That's when Kayla came into my life. And we really were like the three musketeers trying to brave the, the insane thing called let's start a studio with no money, no gear. And right. n- we 
didn't know anybody. Right. So it was very, very interesting. It worked. It did work. It did work. Mm. So on a singing tangent, where did you get your, I would say, your, your, your voice and your skills from? Like, how did you uh, cultivate that style? Because you can actually sing very your well. Soul, Greg. Where'd <laughs> you get your soul? Honestly, <laughs> like, like the runs, the falsettos, like everything. Like you, I've just listened. Like honestly, since I was a little kid, I, I listened to gospel music kind of constantly. Daryl Coley is one of like the biggest in- influences. I listened to a lot of, yep, a lot of Smoky Norfolk. Yeah, I mean, it's just. And then it was funny because I went to a high school called Wickenburg, Arizona. It sounds as strange, or it is as strange as it sounds. And I would, I, I think I was one of three guys in a choir of seventy. Oh wow! And so, but they were all listening to like hill songs at church, and I'm listening to like gospel music anytime I can. <laughs> so I'd bring that into choir. I'd be like, "Guys, check this choir out!" And they're like, "It's not that good." I'm like, "What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> what, what, listen to it." And so I just, I've always had that uh, affinity. My dad actually, um, he was a Nashville mu- musician. Um, he has a doctorate in paleontology. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, my grandfather has a doctorate in psychology. I'm actually named after him. He had a, he, he went to Duke, or he taught at Duke University for 40 years. Okay. Um, so if people like the Tar Heels, I can't really fuck with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, we, uh, so I came from, like, a really, like, high-end academia. And then when I, like, told my grandfather, I was like, I want to go to audio school. And they, and he was like, no. And he, he literally <laughs> donated my whole college fund to Duke. And wow. he said, I'll co-sign the, the loan, but I'm not paying for a penny of it. And it was, it was really interesting. And because and, everyone on, on that side, my dad's family all has their doctorates. Um, and it's just been an interesting thing where I said, I want to take this path because my dad he won like he plays bluegrass music mm-hmm. and like he can rip up anything with strings if it's a banjo a fiddle a guitar a bass doesn't matter he's going to destroy it and uh he always wanted to do music but his dad definitely didn't want him on that path and they didn't want me on that path because i asked my dad i said well i think i'm a pretty good singer um can i can i do that and he says okay well sing me a song and so i sang him a song i'm pretty sure it's probably an in sync song or something. I don't know. So maybe that's why he gave this specific answer. But I sing him this song and I said, on a scale from one to 10, dad, what do you, what do you think I'm at? And he goes, hey, you're about a two. <laughs> and I mean, this is a guy who I've won. I've seen win countless competitions and he plays in like in all the session players with, with in Nashville. And so when he said that, like I quit singing for like a year, oh, I was wow. just so, I was like, I'm, a, I'm, I need to find a new path, but music just kept, it just, it's like the best way someone was saying, asking me the other day, they said, what is it like to be a true musician? Like what, like what, what is it like? And I was like, what an interesting question. But I realized that the best way to respond to that is it's an addiction. Mm. It truly is the the same way that you're going to see someone freak out if they can't say, do cocaine like musicians are the same creatures it's activating the same parts of our brain and then when you add not just chemical things in your brain but something that is taking your your passion and your heart and every fiber of your being pushing you towards something like you really don't have a choice right and i mean i've i've quit music multiple times and it's always brought me back it's always 100% brought me back i quit to be a personal trainer there for a while and 
then 5 a.m. came too many times. And I was like, I, I need to be a musician. <laughs> I can't do that. Um, but yeah, that's like honestly just sheer love for music, and and I want to make it more accessible. That's why I've actually heard from a lot of other studio owners that I'm cheapening the industry because they're saying, well, your prices are too low, and you're doing this, and you're doing that. And it's not that my prices are too low. It's just I have a different and better business model. Mm-hmm. And it's not my fault that they have a flawed business model because it's not sustainable to buy a million-dollar studio and then try to charge people $300 an hour right. when probably all of the best songs I've ever recorded and ever made in my life I've recorded in my bedroom. And and that's why there's a lot of people out there who are saying, oh, you have to go to a big studio and you have to do this and you have to do that. It's just not true anymore. Right. I mean, our quality has gotten so good, and I just I figured, you know what? Instead of trying to become the next hit factory, let's let's train the person who can make the next hit factory. Let's train artists how to be better, and let's be accessible. Like for instance, I've been in a big battle with the Art Institute, mm-hmm. and we they they've gotten mad at me so many times coming over to our school saying we can't steal their students. I said, well. Look, our our tuition is $14,000. Your tuition is $96,000. Right. So that's not my problem. That battle is over. And that mm. battle's over rest because in peace to the Institute, Yeah, man. rest in peace. I, that's kind of me throwing a party, but right <laughs> when they announced that and they said we're not taking any more students, we got over 400 phone calls. Wow. So, I'm not really sad about that, I'll be honest, but I think that the education industry right now is a system that creates a system so that you can live your life as a system. But we are a society that is changing so fast. You need to be able to adapt. You need to be able to have fun. You need to be able to think on your feet, especially in a creative just life that we're in right now. Everything's creative. I think that creatives are the most important people on the planet. Whether you choose Facts. to be an entrepreneur, whether you're an artist, whether you're a musician, uh, it doesn't matter. But creative people are the only reason that it's fun to be in this world. Yeah. And I Truth. think that we need to have more places that cultivate people to be more creative instead of, oh, no, go to a nine-to-five. No, you have to be under my thumb. You have to do this. You have to do that. No, I, I, have, to, I have to go make a difference. And I'm not saying that, that building something of worth is easy because it's not. And hard work is still very prevalent. And you don't have to trick yourself and go, I love hard work because if you love hard work, that's weird. Hard work <laughs> right. needs to happen, but there's people out there who are just like, oh, I work and I do this and I don't care and I'm just always working. It's just, dude, just like are you happy? Like right. I, I'd rather hear about all the things that you're excited about than that you work all the, the time. be to work less. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The goal the goal should just – and that's why like my, my goal is I wake up – like I have a rule for myself – I have to awake with a purpose, mm. and I am not allowed to get in my bed and put my pillow down until I feel accomplished. Mm. And at the end of the day, the only thing that you can hope is that because you walked on the planet, that the world's just a little bit better place. Right. And by that definition, that just means you've got to make a difference. And if you don't know how to make a difference in your life, go try to make a difference in someone else's life, and I guarantee you it'll start making a difference in yours. It's mm. fulfilling. Yeah. And I think um and you brought up a really good point about about the business model and the and the new way of doing business and I, and I've started noticing that with uh with a lot more um I would say new entrepreneurs is the model is shifting from instead of 
like trying to just bleed the individual consumer dry, mm-hmm. it seems to be more directed at the I guess the the larger bag for for example like government contracts or being able to get into the the corporate sponsorships or there there seems to be entities that have lots of money that you can actually make more by partnering with them or or doing the uh, the necessities of being able to um, whether it's through sponsorship or whether it's through contracts Mm -hmm. so would you like to talk about that model a little bit absolutely so one of the things because i used to be very much like the the guy who would go out there kind of constantly and have something to say and have something to sell for sure. Um, but what I realized was – so I – again, I listened to a ton of audiobooks. And one of the things that um, – one of the people I listen to a lot is Zig Ziglar. He's probably one of the biggest motivational speakers of all time. And he said if, if you go out there – if you go out there to find a friend, you're not going to find anybody. Mm. But if you go out there to be a friend, you're going to have friends forever. And I think business is the same way. Whereas I used to go in and I would, I would hammer something like through, and and maybe it's not the best thing that I've ever done in my life, and 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 I would kind of ste- well not hammer something through, maybe steamroll people. I, I definitely had that reputation and say, oh well, we're KMG or we're this or we're that. Until we got big enough to where I started getting that done to me, and guess what? That's not fun. Mm. And so when I completely flipped that around and I started just really going after a servant's attitude and said, okay, well, what can we do to make that company better? What can we do to help that company achieve their goals? Because guess what? If we do that for them, they're going to do it for us. Definitely. And so friendship, relationships, and business, I think, is the same way. So if if you go out there and you say, hey, you know what? I, if you try to tell someone, hey, you're doing it wrong and you're doing it this and I'm better and I'm awesome and I'm this, you're probably not going to get that contract Mm. but if you say hey i see you're doing all of this stuff i think i can make this part of your life easier and guess what you're going to become a cog in their in their whole ecosystem and and i think going back to like securing a bigger bag like what you said i think everything is going into a uh, a state of ecosystem Mm -hmm. Um, if you look at the apple ecosystem google is is absolutely um Google is copying it with the Pixel Book, and they're doing the Pixel Watch, and they've got the Pixel Buds. Right. Um, and, I mean, full disclosure, I, I went ahead and just joined both ecosystems because I couldn't decide. Okay. Um, and he said full disclosure. <laughs> Light flex. <laughs> right. So, um, but, the, but the thing is, is um, I, I think that the ecosystem mentality is, is prevalent because, I mean, think about it. The watch, instead of it being an heirloom that's passed down from generation to generation now, I mean, this is a Series 3. Right when the Series 4 comes out, I'm going to buy it. Right. And then what is this one? I mean, maybe I'll give it away. It'll probably just end up in a drawer somewhere. So we're living in a, in a disposable um, – in a disposable age, and and the reason why that's actually a good thing is because everybody wants to be on the bleeding edge of technology, not the cutting edge anymore. Right. Everyone wants the new thing and the new widget or the new way that it's going to interact with your environment. Um, and the only reason for if you're going to spend three or four hundred dollars on a watch, 
the only reason to buy a new one is if it's going to keep enhancing your life and making it more efficient. Mm. And I think so like for instance I spent $1600 on the Pixelbook. There's going to be another one coming out. I'm going to buy it. Now how do you get someone to basically go on a subscription model? Granted, if you buy one thing all all up front, I mean $1600 a year, I'm going to buy a new one. Well then what happens to that one? Mm. So there's this big thing and I think we're going to make we're going to see a huge push in that disposable market to where they just say, "Okay, if you want to watch, you know what just pay us, you know, thirty bucks a month, and you'll always have a new watch. That's what Verizon and, and all the major phone retailers yeah, did. Man. Ford is Shout just out to iPhone for life. Exactly, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and Ford is doing the same thing. So Ford is getting rid of their whole financing de- department, and you can just pay a subscription service right. for your car. And it's 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 crazy. But you have zero ownership. It's not like a lease. It's not. It's literally just hey, when you don't like the car anymore, just just trade it back in, and you're going to be good. Mm-hmm. And I think that everything in our life with is is going to that. I mean, we we're seeing. Um, one of my really good friends works at Uber, and he said one of their big things that they want to do is they want to make a carless society to where everyone just – if you want to go somewhere, you're just used to calling an Uber and you leave and you come back and everything's good. They hate the fact that people still buy cars, and it is their literally their core mission that they want to do in Uber is make it to where you are – no one owns cars. Everyone just – Oh, I got to run to the grocery. Let me just call an Uber. They're going to be that prevalent. And that's why Uber had has their financing program to where, oh, you can't afford a car. We'll buy you one. You just are going to basically turn into our slave while you're working it off. Right. And that's how they treat you. It's not a good culture over there. The rabbit hole is, is deep. Society is kind of, I won't say scary, but shit's changing, man. Like we're at a point right now where everything is different. Everything. 100%. And it's hard to. So it's is it? Age. So I guess from a business perspective, is it better to? I, I know it's easier to make money from this from the subscription model, but as a consumer, would it be better to give up ownership? It depends on what you're buying. Mm. I think that you, we're going to live in the land of both, but I think Steve Jobs hit the nail on the head because there is so many things that are free out there. YouTube. The only way to compete with free is to make it easy. Mm. People are lazy, and you cannot underestimate their capacity for wanting to not do anything. Right. That's yeah. just the way it is. And, I mean, so you have to find a way to make it more accessible and easy for them so that they can actually consume your product very easily. And you know what? People will pay to consume your product if it's easier than getting the free one. I mean, remember when all the torrent things were just so prevalent and so huge and, and, and the music industry was basically dead. And that's why I think it's hilarious that artists and the publishing houses, the distribution centers, all, everyone in the music game is, oh, well, Apple's this, and I, I put in all this hard work, to, and you're selling it for a 99, cent, 99 mm. cents. I think that's complete bullshit because, number one, he saved the music industry, right. and I, I completely believe that. Number two, they are the ones who tried to manipulate and destroy their relationships with the artists and didn't right. give them what they were. So when you have someone like Michael Jackson, and, he make, and, and they give him $500,000 to make – Thriller, that's freaking awesome. I I commend you. Cool. You know what? We should probably pay more than 99 cents for those kinds of songs. But now the average budget that uh, Atlantic, Universal, all these people will give out to up and coming artists is fifty to a hundred thousand dollars, including what they get as a bonus. Wow. So you tell me, you know what? I think that if, you know, 
500,000 people buy a 99 cent song, I feel like they got a pretty good ROI on it. Yeah. It's not my fault that they want 10,000 times on their money instead of just, you know, like 500 times on their money. Right. But they still make money and it's it's ridiculous for people to still be getting the the checks like a, a fun fact about Bruno Mars is he was shelved by Atlantic for a really long time. And he just said, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to start – like I'm dope. I know how to write a song. I can do this. I'm just going to start putting out stuff. Yeah. So he just started putting out stuff, putting out stuff, putting out stuff. And then Atlantic came to him and said, we really want to sign you. And they rolled out the big red carpet and all of this stuff and did all of this stuff to where we'll pay you this, we'll pay you this. And he says, okay, well, just in case I'm affiliated with any of your partners or anything like that, can I go ahead and – sign this and it supersedes anything on there because they have all these clauses where if Atlantic proper wants you they can just basically take you from the little guys right and uh he already knows he's signed to them and they say okay yeah for sure and they had him on like a six or seven year deal I think it was like a four-year deal with like three options and never did anything with him and then they signed him to a million dollar contract wow. and he just upgraded and he, he had all the, the leverage himself. wow that's that's crazy and it's stuff like that like like people need to realize how much more powerful we are and we just don't realize it and the reason the reason why we're not powerful and and the reason why we don't make it the way that we should is we have bullshit rules that we're told since we're little that we right. still live by that aren't fucking real. Like agree. literally like break it. Like don't, don't listen. To, if there's a rule that you don't agree with, you know what? Like it's always been my, my, I'm, I'm definitely a much more of a, uh, I want to ask for forgiveness instead of permission. And if I think something needs to get done, I'm just going to do it, which hasn't made me the most amount of friends. Mm-hmm. But the great thing about it is the friends that I do have, will literally go fight a tank with a knife for me. Yeah. And I would do the same for them. And I think that if you can galvanize your relationships in the trenches and, and have those wars to where you can have that, that the highest currency of all, which is trust and belief, faith, um, you, you're going to go far kind of no matter what. And, and that's kind of what I've been able to do is just I've been able to weed out people because I just don't put up with, with stuff and I don't – Listen to stuff, and I, I, one of my it's most Aries thing, bro. <laughs> one of my most freeing things. I stopped trying to fix people's perception of me, yeah. and there'd be, dude, did you see what they're saying about you on Twitter? Well, shit, they're talking about me. Yeah. So that it's all I, promo. I'm doing. I'm yeah, exactly. I'm. They're not talking about someone else. So I mean, someone's listening. So right. that's cool. Cool. So we're gonna we're gonna reel you in. All right. We're gonna reel you in. That's hard. Yeah, I know. You know, <laughs> Greg's like, damn, Sonic the Hedgehog. He just charges up and just goes. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of gems. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I usually say, like, one piece of knowledge or advice, but you gave like thirty pieces in thirty seconds. So I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna make it specific. Okay. One piece of knowledge or advice that you would give to that next entrepreneur, someone that wants to start a business or someone that just wants to move forward and doesn't know how, what would that be? Mm. Don't think that you can do it alone. Don't think that you can do it alone and don't think that you can control people. Because, I mean, with my OCD kind of thing, that was probably my biggest mistake that I did early on is I think that anybody, whether they have good things to say about me or not in the, in, the, in the past, I think they know deep down that I really cared a lot, uh, specifically about them. There's no way that anyone was there that can't. But 
I was a very controlling person. Mm. And one of the things, when I stop trying to control people, I think that people will surprise you. And if you trust them, and when you throw them in the deep end, you know what? Most people are pretty good swimmers. And if you trust that you've got a team that can jump in the deep end together, you guys can really accomplish great things. You don't always have to be the tip of the sword. Mm. The handle is what points where the tip goes. Mm. So it's actually a lot cooler to be the handle because then you can wield the sword. And I think stop trying to control um, and learn to really trust because I, I didn't have a whole lot of trust when I started my business. And when I, when I finally took off my mask of just, hey, everything's all right. I'm freaking Superman. Everything's great. Check out my Aston Martin, yada, yada, yada. When I was just like, hey, pretty much all of that is bullshit. I'm scared shitless and I need some help. Right. Um, if you guys aren't too pissed at me, can we maybe take another run at this? Um, that was when I finally got my team. So trust early, trust often. Yes, you're going you're gonna to get burned if you trust. But if you trust, sooner or later you get the right people and you guys are going to be able to do anything because great people go great places. It's just math. Right. Dope. So as far as uh, how can people um, follow you, social media, how can people check out the book, how can they pick up The Homeless Millionaire, and how can they get more information on uh, KMG, the, the studio, the academy? So studio and academy is just kmglife.com or denvermusic.com or like 3,000 other websites that I have it automatically directed to. <laughs> um, because I, that's another thing. If you're going to go out there and make a website, like literally buy as many as you can that are even kind of close to it and then just do redirects. Mm. Um, it's, I wish I would have done that sooner. Um, and then my personal brand, thehomelessmillionaire.com, you can see some of my speeches. One of the big things that I'm getting ready to do and gear up for, I mean, we're in talks with – uh, Penguin Random House to get this book published um, because there's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of motivational speakers out there who can do the speech and then immediately launch into a song about his life right. and perform it and really do that. So that's just one of the things that um, we're doing. So if you want to see any of the speeches, my YouTube channel is just youtube.com forward slash the homeless millionaire homeless millionaire.com um you can go to kmg academy or, or kmglife.com to see anything about the school um and then it's just if you ever want to see the place just come in like in and come hang out like we're really trying to build a community up there and we are doing something that i truly think has never been done before and with what has happened recently we are in a position to where it's never been done before and we're just getting started Work. that's awesome man man well, we appreciate you for coming through dropping knowledge anytime. on us y'all make sure y'all go check out the homeless millionaire read up on that read books damn it books, <laughs> books are good for yeah, you yeah it's fundamental yeah man but let's make some noise for Greg Kimbo hey thank you we got to pay some bills as well. Uh, also, if you like this uh, fabulous Life is Dope gear that you see here, you can pick it up at lifeisdope.shop. Oh, yeah. Uh, also, shout out to Mez Brands as well. You can also yeah. check them out at mezbrands.com. If you consume, it's a very good product. And then also make sure that you are 21. Hold up, pause real quick. Because every time we do our uh, pay our bills moment, everybody like they're like, why you guys put on your commercial voices when you do that? Because it is a commercial. Because we're trying to get the back. What are you talking about? But we got to be more organic. So let's let's be organic for the people. No, we're selling you stuff. Mez is good. It is it's good product. They got vape pens, man. They got four different flavors, and they just changed the up tempo uh, flavor from cinnamon to mixed berries. Oh, okay. And it's fire. Okay. So if you like actually having a wonderful taste when you get high, <laughs> <laughs> that's probably one you want to switch to. Um, yeah, we got some fire shit on Life Is Dope Shop. Yeah. 
What else we got, man? Uh, you know, we got more events coming up. Uh, stay tuned. You know, follow us. Check out our Instagram. At Life is Dope, man. On IG. Check out IGTV for exclusive content. Yep. And behind the scenes footage. And uh, I think we're good. I think that's all the bills for now. Hey, Life is Dope Podcast. I'm Graffiti. And I'm Davey. We out. <laughs>